0: Log Talk Radio.
1: Welcome to the Gridiron Blitz podcast, your weekly source for women's American football insights, game recaps, and
2: NFL news weekly. Subscribe on Apple and iHeart
0: is the fastest-growing daily fantasy sports site in America. You get fun, easy-to-play contests with cash prizes featuring your favorite players. Monkey Knife Fight, daily fantasy sports for the rest of us. Sign up now and get an instant match on your first deposit up to $50. Don't
2: forget, guys, uh, welcome to the Blitz. Go to Monkey Knife Fight, NBA all season long since the Super Bowl is over. No more NFL getting ready for the NBA playoffs as we go into the NBA finals. Check it out. $5 $5 free play on a up to $100 match. Go to Monkey Night Fight. Use the code NJF to get started today. Um, and exciting uh, also plays with MMA, PGA. So if you're into that, more or less is the platform you want to ha- head over to Monkey Night Fight. That way you can take care of uh, getting some free cast there as well. Uh, today we're at a big, big, big Super Bowl 56 recap show. And who better to recap the show than uh, a great guest We're going to be having in about 15 minutes in the Monkey Night Fight Huddle, Connie Collerberg, the first female scout from the New York Jets, Uh, and we're going to talk about her journey, uh, talk about the Super Bowl, uh, the experience at the Hula Bowl, and the Senior Bowl of this year as well. So, uh, we're looking forward to chatting with Connie about all the adventure, plus the uh, Super Bowl 56 and my Rams winning. The Super Bowl was a pretty awesome ending. Uh, We've got a couple takeaways on that, but I'm pretty sure Connie will dive into those as well. A couple penalties towards the end. The run game didn't work out, so a lot of things. And in the second hour, we're going to have Mark Simone, a.k.a. the backseat coach, and the salty one breaking it down, recapping Gridiron West week 14, week 15, looking into the playoffs in Aussie land, plus we're going to dive into the first three weeks of the LNFA Feminina in the second hour, so a lot to get to, including news from the hub, and today we have co-host with me it's going to be obviously terry lister in the house uh coach terry lister wnfc denver bandits uh terry uh just a whirlwind for super bowl weekend including the wfa and wnfc everybody in los angeles
1: yes sir yeah it was was a fun weekend um it was cool to see those uh female leagues getting involved and the game was a pretty entertaining game so i'm not surprised most of the playoffs were like that um, but it was, it was a fun game to watch, and I was I was happy for you as a Rams fan to get that ring. You guys kind of went all in this season, so I'm glad it paid off for you.
2: Yeah, I was kind of, you know, the whole game was up and down. I, I didn't anticipate, I don't think anybody really anticipated it was going to be high-powered offenses, considering both defenses mm-hmm. were somewhat decent, and that's really what it boiled mm-hmm. down to, because both running games, besides the mix-in short run there, everything else got pretty much shut down on the run game.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, I thought the Rams were going to win. I think, um, you know, I've said this before, but the fact that the Bengals, like, don't protect the quarterback, like he was the most sacked quarterback in the NFL this season, um, that's usually a recipe for, you know, not even making the playoffs, let alone going to the Super Bowl. So they said a stat about how the Bengals basically defied the odds and became the first team in NFL history to go to the Super Bowl while having the most-sacked quarterback in the NFL. Um, but we know the Rams have a good defense, especially a good D-line. And so I figured, you know, their luck was finally going to run out <laughs> against that Rams D-line. And um, it was a close game. They barely got it done, but a win is a win. So,
2: Yeah, and you're always going to get the conspiracy theorists. Yeah, all those – everybody that says, you know, the refs here, that call there, I really think the bottom line was, you know, there were some plays that obviously were not called and there were some plays that mm-hmm. should have should have been called. But in, in mm-hmm. the end, I mean, it boils down to just who makes the more plays, right? Who gets, at the end, the yeah. more plays. So really what it boils down to. I, uh, I mean, I understand, you know, Twitter land likes to go with the rig mentality, but I mean, it would take <laughs> a lot to rig a, fo- a football
1: game. You know what I mean? Absolutely, yeah. I think my takeaway is that in any football game, no matter the magnitude, there's going to be some calls that are missed or calls that are questionable. Um, that's going to happen regardless. I mean, these are refs that aren't p- perfect people, and uh, it's not a perfect system of calling, you know, making calls. But like you said, at the end at the end of the day, it comes down to who makes more plays. And um, I don't think, from my point of view, I watched the whole game, um, I don't think there was any calls that were made or not made that really made a huge difference. I think at the end of the day, it came down to, you know the Bengals had a chance at the end, and the Rams did just good enough on defense to to end it. So I'm not really I don't I don't ascribe to the excuse making.
2: Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, if if you're if you're going that route, like I said, it it takes a lot for you to to pull a WWE right at the biggest game of yeah. the year. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like,
1: i, I, I don't it's think really that's the bottle
2: down. Like, it's like yeah. <laughs> this is not a Royal Rumble. You know what I mean? <laughs> Only the <there's> thirty <laughs> guys going in there. What was it? Uh, Fifty, fifty-two times two guys. They're all they're all on the same page. It's probably not going to happen. Play. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just. It, I don't know. It just. Uh, you know how Twitter is? It's a cesspool for just coming up with something just to riled up the masses. At yeah, that point, um, unfortunately you know. Unfortunately, it's literally what it is. Yeah. It's a platform for that only. It's literally what it boils down to. Um, I try to hang out as uh, out there as minimal as possible. Because <laughs> yeah, once you get smart, once you, once you get lit, lit up on fire, it's very hard to, to calm down the flames.
1: It's really mm-hmm. hard.
2: Um, but you know what? It's a great weekend for the WFA uh, team. Milk. Mm-hmm. We have representatives, obviously the uh, two flag stars, plus our own uh, Lo- uh, Lois Cook and Adrian Smith from the uh, Renegades mm-hmm. and the DCD, Divas exclusively. We also had the WNFC in the house as well with the uh, Adidas. Um, so uh, Sohu uh, event, you know, for the players out there as well as uh, the events that were happening with the uh, flag events and stuff like that. So there, uh, you know, overall there was a presence of uh, women's American football. We talked to uh, Lois Lois Cook uh, on 410. Mm-hmm. So if you guys missed it, uh, Tammy Tammy Moore, uh, Lois Cook, plus we had a Coach Cameron Reveal last podcast. So thank you everybody for downloading our podcast last week. It was huge downloads. So really, really appreciate it. Uh, so but go check it out. Get the replay right there. Uh, three, uh, three awesome interviews that we did last podcast on, uh, you know, and, the, and then the podcast before that, Lindsey Cash. So obviously came in here to give us a sort of a prediction for the Super Bowl. So check it out. And over 400 episodes that we've done so far. So pick, a, pick an episode, download it, listen to Terry, Polly, myself, Max uh Simone, Nate Ward, whoever you'd like to listen to, to so check it out and put her on a reel, right? That's all you gotta do. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, speaking of Lindsay Cash, when um I heard that she was coming on the when I heard that she was coming on to the podcast, I um wasn't I wasn't available that week to be on myself. But I looked her up on Instagram and, and you know <laughs> threw her a follow and then recently I was on Instagram and I saw her post. And I think she was in LA she did a little quick little, you know, video to put on Instagram, and what I was impressed by was her prediction for the game was that somebody was going to win by a field goal, and that's actually what ended up happening. So, huge shout-out to Lindsey Cash. It's impressive when you're able to, you know, guess that correctly, as accurate as she, as she did.
2: Yeah, I know. She was on board with uh, a three-point margin on both sides, and I think that, yeah. that was pretty much the same, right. Yeah. So, she's, yeah. she's good to go, and you can check it out. On our stories, uh, really appreciate everybody going to our IG stories on Great Iron Beauties. It's blowing up. Uh, we were over like 110% for the last week and, uh, from the Lindsey Cash uh, interview all the way down to this past interview with uh, Lois Cook and obviously Tammy Moore and uh, Coach uh, Camry Reveal. So check it out right there. Uh, you can go to IG, Instagram at Gridiron Beauties, get the lowdown on everything that's happening in the sport. On top of that, uh, Coach, what an announcement before we came on today. Tanya Walters of the WWCFL in Canada plus, uh, you know, IFAB silver medalist with the 2017 uh, Canada team. Uh, the BC Lions. Uh, first full-time female in the Canadian Football League. So it was a really big bombshell news today, this Tuesday.
1: Oh, yeah, it's amazing. That's great to hear.
2: So she's great. She's earned it. Um, she's Started, uh, you know, coaching early. She was uh, playing with the Edmonton Storm. She put together the uh, the Alberta Youth Flag League and and an uh, organization out there as well. And then she's been obviously internship. Uh, she was at the Women's Forum as well, just like uh, you know Jennifer King and Kali Branson and everybody else that's gotten into uh, you know the NFL. So it's first time uh, CFL has hired a uh, female full-time coach so this is a, it's a great moment for her but also it speaks volumes to the uh forum that Sam Rappaport started and also speaks volumes to the fact that she's earned it you know she's put in some time and she's able to you know now land a, uh, an opportunity here with the BC Lions
1: yeah it sounds like she's paid her dues and it was may, maybe overdue for that to happen so it's good that um we know that that's happened in the U.S. years ago and it's, it's, it's cool to see that Canada finally came around and took that first step to get women, you know, involved in coaching at the highest level. So that's awesome to hear.
2: Yeah, and then for, for you guys that are not familiar with uh, Tanya Walter's story, uh, check it out right there at the Hub. We got everything from Yahoo, um, uh, CFL.com, everybody from uh, T- TSN as well. All the articles are right there. Dive into her story. Really interesting story. Um, and reached out to her. Should be able to get her on here, she's always been a friend of the podcast, so uh, we've just got to go through some uh, some hoops now right Cause she's in the BC Lions we've got to go through the BC Lions PR department just to get approval yeah. and to get an interview. but other than that, we should yeah. have her on hopefully in the, in the next uh, six weeks or or even less and uh, talk to her about her experience and everything that's going on in that realm and should make the BC Lions a lot better in terms of competitive if you don't uh, we don't talk about Canadian football as often here as we do the NFL. But we do keep tabs on it at the hub. So if you're at the hub, you'll catch a couple articles there, especially for playoffs and things like that. But hopefully the British Columbia Lions are going to be better for having her on the staff and she's going to make an impact there to make them a more successful franchise.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think, um, like I said, it's cool to see that that Canada made that move of having the first, you know, full-time female coach. And so I have no doubt that she'll be an asset to that team. And so hopefully that's, that's the first of many to come as far as that becoming the norm.
2: Yeah, um, the other person that we, we have talked about a long time was Amanda Ruler, former LFL super, uh, star with, with Atlanta's team. And obviously she's been uh, working also in the college uh, rank. So we might at some point see her in some sort of capacity also in the CFL. So uh, wait and see. But at this point, Tanya Walters, the first female full-time coach, in uh, the uh, CFL history with the BC Lions. So it's really cool. All right, let's go into the Very Monkey cool. Night Fight huddle. And if you guys haven't taken advantage of going to Monkey Night Fight, NBA nightly, take advantage of it. You can, get up, uh, you can win up to three times your money. If you're good in tuition, play more or less. Pretty simple platform. Just pick the players you like. Rebounds, scores, any of that stuff. Easy platform. Use the code NJF. You get started right there at Monkey Night Fight. That's our uh, podcast sponsors. Really awesome. So check it out, monkeynightfight.com, Use the code NJF to get started. Get a $5 free play. Play NBA, M- MMA, PGA, uh, various sports there, including college college sports. So check it out. Go to monkeyknightfight.com. Use the code NJF. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, over 400 episodes on our Apple podcast. Thanks for bumping us up in Australia. Thanks for bumping us up over in the U.K. Really, we really appreciate it. Check out our links right there. You can uh, get us on iHeart, Spotify, and Apple. So you get to listen to Terry, myself, and everybody else on the on the podcast as co Uh, you know, do the reels, like I said, it's pretty easy to do. You can fall asleep on us if you want, or you can just pay attention, right? <laughs> just bottom line, that's how it works. Sometimes that happens, right? You're listening to buggers and mean, you fall asleep. So it's the
1: way it happens. It could. It could. All
2: right. Podcast. So don't forget to go to the hub as well and get the latest before you come on here on every Tuesday. A lot of stuff on there. The best network on the planet exists at the Hub. There's a lot of uh, people that collaborate with myself and the platform to bring you uh, everything in the latest news that's happening in women's American football globally. So the best network right there, we built it over almost 10, 12 years now, and it keeps going strong because there's passionate people that love this sport and want it the uh, athletes to get attention as well so check it out right there at the hub at facebook.com for us let's go to the monkey knife fight huddle and we're going to bring in the talented first female scout of the NFL from the New York Jets and that would be Connie Colbert
0: is the fastest growing daily fantasy sports site in America you get fun, easy to play contests with cash prizes featuring your favorite players, monkey knife fight daily fantasy sports for the rest of us Sign up now and get an instant match on your first deposit up to
2: $50. And don't forget to go to Monkey Knife Fight, like I said, and use the code NGF to get started. <laughs> are we are Connie, how's it going? Thanks for making the time on with Oscar Lopez and Terry Lister. And we're all hyped up for well, Super Bowl 56. And, and if everybody follows you uh, at Connie Scouts, you're all over it on Super Bowl Sunday. So. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah, I'm always all over it. How you doing, Oscar and Terry? Nice. Can you hear I'm me doing okay? Great.
2: Yeah, you're great. Clear. Sound Good. great.
3: Okay. Just want to be sure. Okay, if any problem just let me know. Uh no, it's a pleasure to be no. on. Thank you for having me.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I wanted to like okay, who else can I bring in for this excitement uh besides myself who's excited for my Rams to win <laughs> this whole thing? And uh I was oh, yeah. uh, watching your uh, you know, your uh, Twitter feed and just just a lot of insights, right? Uh Connie uh, the game started out pretty much as everybody predicted. It, it, everybody thought it was going to be some sort of a big shootout, but given the defenses, like I said earlier, uh, obviously there was going to be some sort of pull pullback uh, on the run game, and that's really what happened.
3: Yeah, very much so. I mean, it was a it was kind of a slow starting game in that respect. As far as you, you couldn't tell which what was exactly going to happen, except when the you know the Rams opening up with OBJ and poor guy getting hurt after it looked like he was going to have a, a really big game because they're single covering him and they're double covering, you know, Cooper Cup. And, yep. uh, you know, the Rams without their first and their second string tight end, but I do want to give a, a shout out to Hopkins, the third string um, tight end for the Rams, because he really stepped up. He he made the key block uh, on that fourth down when Cooper Cup came around on the sweep. And he also mm-hmm. caught four passes. So this is their third string tight end who, who did step up for them which was really amazing. So I thought that was really good. Uh, the, but there was a lot of parts to the game. I thought it was, a, you know, good ebb and flow. Uh, the reps let them play, like you were saying earlier, um, until, of course, the very end. But there was, a, you know, one call that went for the Bengals in the beginning of the second half, and one on Wilson that was questionable at the end. So it was kind of like, uh, kind of evened out. But overall, mm-hmm. they sure did let them They let them play. Mm-hmm.
2: I think it was just, yeah, just I, the key to the the whole game. Where uh, I the the last two minutes, you should have seen me in my living room. I'm like, why are we not throwing it to ten? And I was like, McVay, what are you doing here? Like chaffing me here. I, I should have, I should have seen I, me, Connie. I was like so irritated. I was like, what are we doing here?
3: Because they were they just couldn't they couldn't run the ball. Uh, you know, the Bengals defense was doing a good job. As you said, Wilson was all over the place that linebacker, and they were just playing well like you said you know sooner or later they had to they had to get the ball and they said they went up tempo which kind of changed things a little bit but um and so I'm very happy though for I I wasn't really for or against either team most times I really have a feeling like a dislike of one team or the other because usually either the Mm -hmm. Patriots or the Giants or somebody like that but Mm -hmm. with these two teams I didn't but I I had you know for Matt Stafford I had, you know, you had to feel good after what he's been through for 13 years, and to and to see that um, that he again made a win, a winning clutch drive at the
2: end. Yeah, Terry. I mean, I don't know if you've seen it different than me and Connie, but it was just kind of those game. The last, the last what five minutes, four and a half minutes. I, I was really doubting. I thought this coach was going to sh- shaft us for the Super Bowl win. I was like, "What is what is wrong with you?" It's like you have a weapon, use the weapon. Yes.
3: And and they stopped and they took away. They took away the running game, and you said you were down your yes. third string uh, there. And Skoranek is not doesn't have great hands, you know, and that type of thing to depend on him yet. You know, he's still young and everything. So uh, you, you didn't have a lot of options. You really didn't. Um, so he had to he had to go to Cooper Cup. He's just totally amazing for a guy that ran four six two at the you know at the combine and third round pick, played in the Senior Bowl. But just a uh, his story is just amazing.
1: Yeah,
2: it's kind of like yeah, a well, Kurt Warner, story right? You what? It's kind
3: of like
2: a well, Kurt Oscar Warner story for it was kind of like a yeah. Kurt Warner story for him. Now,
3: I'm just amazing the way I love the story about him working with his dad. His dad was put like a a hose outside where and throwing passes and he had to keep both feet in bounds. And even in the house, they would, he would run by the door and he never knew when his dad was going to pass him or where it was going to be. So, mm. you know, and his dad and his grandfather both played uh, professional football. So he's just, um, he's, he's just quite something. He's a, a great example for young people to see. And then of course, on defense, how can you say anything? But, <laughs> but uh, you know, Aaron Donald, I mean, that was just, he was just amazing. Um, that guy is really something else. And to think he was the 14th pick in the I'm sorry, the 13th pick in the 2014 draft. But he, what a player he is!
1: Yeah, I, I um, before I talk about the Super Bowl, kind of, I wanted to say it, it's an honor to talk to you. I, I know it's only verbally. Ideally, it would be in person, but um, for you yeah. being a trailblazer for women in football, um, that's just really awesome. I got to look up some some. Some brief little stats about your life and things that you've done with, you know, scouting for the New York Jets and going to my favorite college. Ohio, I'm from Ohio, so Ohio State University. Ah, okay. Um, yeah, so OH, but Ohio.
3: Uh, that's right. Yeah, during I was during the Woody Hayes days. I'm an old lady, so I was yeah. during the Woody <laughs> Hayes days. <laughs> yeah, that's very
1: cool. So you got to, yeah, he was. You actually knew that a legend in person.
3: Oh, no, not really. I just said, I've been very blessed in my whole life growing up with yeah. the Jets with my dad and my uncle when they were the Titans becoming the doctors And all of a sudden I said, I've got to learn about this sport. I did all other sports, but I didn't know. Back yeah. in those days, they didn't have women's flag football. They didn't have tackle. Most women were not, just not into it. You had one game on a week. So right. it, was very, it was very, very different back then. But I just started – I was very lucky. I had great mentors – from the, mm-hmm. an earth science teacher that took the time, and he was at the games and he would explain everything to Walt Michaels, who became the Jets head coach, to Woody Hayes, yeah. who so great. So I was, I've been very blessed through my whole life.
1: Absolutely, yeah. I um, the I also read that, like you said, you, you had some family members that worked in the medical field. And did I read right yeah. that your uncle was actually responsible for saving Joe Namath's career?
3: Well, I, I would say probably, you know, back in those days, to be a sports doctor was just kind of unheard of. In fact, when they started, started when they were the Titans, they yeah. didn't even have a doctor on the visiting side. And so that's when my dad went over. He would be on the visiting types, and then my my uncle would be on the, even though he, my dad was an internist, my uncle the orthopedist. And then, you know, things started going. But, of course, yeah. we drafted Joe, and back in those days, to have any kind of an ACL, forget about Achilles. You were done with Achilles. But an mm-hmm. ACL was really tough, and Joe played after he hurt it. And then he came in, and yeah, my uncle made the, he made the brace, which is in the Hall of Fame, Dr. James Nicholas, and he mm-hmm. made the brace for Joe Namath. Um, he really even told Joe, you're probably only going to have four years to play. And thank goodness he got longer, because right
1: after that, we won the Super Bowl. With Joe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's that's <laughs> literal very big history in the NFL. That's really that's really cool to to know those stories. Yeah. Um, but yeah as far as the Super Bowl, I, I, I mirror most of what you guys have already said. I thought it was a really entertaining game to watch. Um, the only bad thing about making sports bets is it makes you root for certain things to happen. <laughs> so I don't know, Connie, if you do much sports betting. I know that I, I I'll yeah.
3: I will never bet. Never, ever, yeah. ever bet. That's why I don't even play fantasy, because I, I wouldn't take another player that's not a Jet. So I don't even do oh, that. Oh, okay. I, I'm, very, you know, I'm just a real loyal. And I don't like to. I love the game itself, and I just love to be able yeah. to go and watch it for how I feel about and watch the players and, and right. learning and whether it's college or pro. So, you know, that's mm. just me. Everybody has their own thing, but for me, yeah, yeah I'm with you as far as betting, Terry.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so I had this little bet. I, I bet on nine things happening during the game. I ended up hitting eight out of nine. The only one that I didn't oh, get no. was Jamar Chase scoring. Um, and so since he didn't score, I didn't, I didn't make about 200 bucks, but that, that's not, oh. not really a big deal. It just was something for me to root for. Um, but more importantly, how how the actual game went, um, I actually thought that, I mean, I was nervous because I had the Rams, part of my bet was the Rams winning just by any any margin, and I felt like the Bengals were kind of in the driver's seat for most of the game. I mean, they were up by, you know, whatever it was, three, four, seven points, and it was for most of the second half, you know, when they get the ball, if they're able to put points up, especially a touchdown, that makes it a two-score game and makes it really hard for the Rams to come back um and obviously we know how it played out the Rams were able to make some stops and keep it close and then uh, eventually take the lead at the end um but a really awesome game to uh to watch and like you said there was some some calls made that were that were um questionable some calls missed but I think it kind of evened out so fortunately I don't don't feel like the referees had a big uh impact on who won the game in my opinion um, but,
3: I, I, I really agree there too. And, you know, Joe Burrow still, oh man, he still showed his toughness. I just think yeah. they should have, you know, uh, Mixon was looking good. I would have, they didn't do many screen passes, which I really thought they would because he's so good out of the backfield. And, of yeah. course, those, those two, uh, second, third, and fourth down, uh, tough calls at the end of the game because all they needed was a field goal to go to overtime.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, and to, and to Oscar's point, Oscar Oscar's joking about how he's in his living room losing his mind and saying, you know, throw it, throw it to 10. Um, you Me and you know, Connie, you know, it's, it's easy to think a simple thought, you know, in your living room about something that's kind of, you know, captain obvious about getting a really good player the ball. Um, but yes. if you, you know, if you've coached and you realize yep. how a game's going and you realize there's a lot that goes into the game and on a certain play, that, that, that person could have been double teamed or there could have been a diversion, There's a lot of things that go into, you know, what, what the actual result is. And so you're so, you're, you're so right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So I think Sean McVay and um, Zach Taylor are amazing coaches. I think they'll be very good coaches for a long time. And so it was really cool because I'm, I'm a football coach to actually see, you know, two of the top coaches go go at it, you know, for four quarters. And I'm not surprised at all that it ended up being a three point game.
3: No, it was really cool there. I mean, they're young guys and,
1: you know, we know that Zach
3: Taylor was the, you know, when he was at Nebraska was the Big 12 offensive player of the year when he was a quarterback yeah. there, which is kind of, kind of amazing for Nebraska.
1: Yeah. And, yeah.
3: right. And and we know McVeigh was a great high school. I guess, you know, I heard he was uh, um, beat out Megatron for the best player in the state.
1: Yeah. I heard that. That's, that's amazing. Small world, right?
3: <laughs> Isn't it amazing? Yeah. So he, you know, <laughs> th- these guys really have done it and they know what they're,
1: you know, talking about. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to um, hijack the interview, Oscar. So you can tell me to shut up whenever you want to. But I am <laughs> no, no. You're good. Interested. Dive in. <laughs> dive in when
2: you whenever you want. It's not a problem. We're that's why we have Connie on, kind of give us the perspective yeah. of the Super Bowl. so I brought her in because she was on Twitter, giving us all the insights. I wasn't on Twitter because I was all penned up to the to the to the TV
1: <laughs> right, on that right, day. Right. But
2: but she hey, was you, on it. Um, and I go back and check her feed. So. She was all over it. I mean, every play, and she was uh, putting her her mindset on it and giving perspective as well. So, um, Connie, the the atmosphere uh, for us, because you know our podcast is literally exclusively covering women's American football news weekly. For the uh, yeah. for the access to have both women's tackle leagues in a big show, but also to have you know uh, Team Milk represent uh, two of the prominent uh, players in in the uh, Women's Football Alliance, which is the, the yeah. league that has produced, you know, Collie um, Branson and uh, obviously produced sure. uh, Jennifer King as well. So it was just right. kind of a big moment for, for us to see them front and center in terms of a billboard too, but also just the fact that they were out there mingling with within the NFL lo- uh, scope of things.
3: You know, it's, It is. It's really amazing, though, just how – as I said, they didn't have anything like that. First of all, weren't, women weren't, when I was young, there was nothing like that. And you, they didn't even have flag, much less tackle. And it's really funny because, you know, a, bu- a bunch of years ago or a few years ago, when the thing was coming out about football and being dangerous and people saying, do you want your son to play football, blah, blah, blah. Now there's tons of women playing football. So it's, it's actually growing. And women, are they love playing, and they're serious. It's not like the lingerie league. It's real football. And I think it's, you know, so that's why it makes it even easier or, and more logical to be able to get into coaching and stuff because they've actually done it um, and stuff. So I think it's a, it, it is a great opportunity. And uh, as I said, I knew uh, Callie Bronson, she was at the Jets um, as an intern in scouting about well, I'll say it must be four years ago, I think it is. I'm trying to remember with, you know, with the pandemic, you lose track of time. And it was yeah. about, four, we had three scouts during the summer uh, that were interns. And here she is, what, four years later, uh, chief of staff of the Browns. That's amazing.
2: Yeah.
1: yeah. No, she's a,
2: she's a, she's a, <laughs> a, she was on a national team, too. She was at, with the DC Divas, won a couple championships in the Women's League, as well as a gold medalist, multi-time gold medalist. So, you know, her resume obviously speaks for itself. Amazing. Yeah. No, it really
3: is. Really amazing, as I said, the way it's grown and changed. And this, this, would, this would, was unheard of back then. They didn't even have women. Phyllis George came after I went to work for the Jets when she was doing the pregame. She was the first woman to actually be, like, on a pregame show. And there were no women trainers or coaches or anything on the football side at all. You know, that kind of thing. It was just – it wasn't. And when I became a scout – the Jets didn't even make a big deal about it, and I did it. And then uh, there was only Ralph Wilson's daughter that in the 80s, and she passed away at a young age. It was sad, but in the 80s, she did some stuff. But after that, there was really nothing until – Bruce Arians really gave um, a big break with Jen Welter. Mm-hmm. And from there, it's like everything just kind of exploded and has exploded. And then Sam Rappaport has the Women's Forum, um, you know – just all these different things have um, – the, the doors have just swung way to, way open.
1: Yeah, I um, – speaking of the Cleveland Browns, where Kelly Brownson is, I, like you, Connie, am a devout fan of one team, and that's the Cleveland Browns. I'm from Ohio, so I, yeah. I, I, you know, I bleed orange and brown. And like I you, uh, when I play fantasy football, I refuse to take any Pittsburgh Steelers because I hate them with a the passion. <laughs> So I I know you can understand that but um I can. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so what I want to what I'm curious about is the scouting stuff. Cuz I feel like one of my dream jobs would be to be an NFL scout. You know, that just I mean, I love football. I breathe football. Um I'm I'm kind of a nerd by nature. I'm very analytic. I love, you know, doing research yeah. and spreadsheets and you know, it's just how, that's how I am innately. <laughs> and so for yes. for you to actually do that you know, in your life, I'm interested to see how that looked, you know what I mean, from a day-to-day, um, like h- how your actual job worked as far as like traveling. It was very different, very you
3: know different back then because when I went to work for the Jets after I graduated from Ohio State, I thought I was going to teach at a high school. I got my, at my Babylon high school, and then I was yeah. going to coach girls, girls sports. There were, at the time, there were no, no such thing as girls scholarships. Title IX had just passed. And so, mm-hmm. even when I played basketball before I transferred to Ohio State, um, I, I didn't play basketball there because I started going to football all the time. But
4: mm-hmm.
3: there, there were, as I said, there were no scholarships. So I went to work for the Jets, being the only girl in the, in the entire building. I was the receptionist and the scouting secretary, and, and the secretary to the training staff, the the players, the coach, to everything. Um, yeah. And I had, but I had no idea how to be a secretary because I went to college and I didn't. Oh, we had typewriters. We didn't have computers. We didn't have YouTube. We didn't have cell phones. We didn't have, um, you know, smart TVs uh, with all yeah. the stuff like this, that everybody that – In a everybody different world, yeah. <laughs> Yes, YouTube and, and Google and in and everything comes up and if any game that So back then you had reel-to-reel reel, uh, for, for tapes of, of, of games and to, to watch. Yeah. You had your scouts on the road. And then you, had a, uh, you shared uh, with a couple of other teams, the National Scouts. And so I would be putting that stuff in. And then I was also as the receptionist at the same time because you, most people didn't have secretaries or assistants back then. And um, so you get to know everybody. But I had a great boss named Mike Hollibach who was an All-American at Boston College, and he coached the Patriots, taught me a lot too, and Lou Holtz. And – all of a sudden, he and Al Ward, who was the general manager, they had. We were the draft was 17 rounds, and we did everything by hand. As I said, you know, it was a whole different world. And um, they got to the 17th round. They had. They said, Connie, you you make the last pick. And so I'm still the only one that's ever a woman that's ever actually made a draft pick. So he did that. You know, now we only have you seven rounds. Back, back, back then. Again. Yes, I did. Mike Bartosik, wide receiver, tight end. Yes, he was yeah. Doug Plank's yeah. roommate and I know, you know Doug Plank really well, and um, the 46 defense. So uh, I did that, and then probably at within the year, um, they came to me and said, we want you to do some scouting, and that's when they, said, uh, they sent me to Ohio State. They knew Woody Hayes would give me carte blanche to everything. They sent me to Boston yeah. College. They sent me down to uh, the Orange Bowl um, and grading films, interviewing. Them. and I remember, they didn't have pre-draft physicals. They didn't have the combine. Mm-hmm. They didn't have pro, pro days. So, in fact, the draft was in January, the very first year I was there, right after, right after the season. So, so, it was very different, but, but it, was, it was great. It was really good.
1: So, you just had the film to watch of the players, then you would go right? visit them. I assume, I assume you'd interview them?
3: Yes, I, I would talk to whoever I could, whether it was a the trainer there, at the school, you know, anybody that you could find. That, uh-huh. uh, and if i couldn't if i couldn 't talk to the players because they uh, the, some schools said yes some schools said no, depending on who they were um, yeah. so you would try you would try to do that you would look at the tapes, find somebody that they knew, and that's basically you know and that was a All you, could do? Com- com- you know compared to the old days when they just used a street and Smith magazine. That's how they used to do the draft in the fifties. Um, oh, so this is progressive, but of course now, as I said, it's, it's a whole different world, but yeah. the jets were the first team uh, in 1978 or 79. They brought in about a hundred players into Lenox Hill hospital where my uncle worked out of and for, for physicals and they brought them in. And then um, I would interview them. You because know, some players don't didn't want to play in New York. You want to find out what kind of people they are, and that yeah, kind of, of stuff. But not 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 until then. So the first four years, there was nothing like that, and then the there was no such thing as ESPN either. So mm-hmm. as I said, this is this is sort of, you had your game games on Sunday. You might have a half hour wrap up at night on a TV station, and yeah. then you went back to work, and that was it.
1: Hmm. It's very simplicity, interesting. Yeah, like Terry. you said, obviously simplicity. it is a totally different different world. What do you say, Oscar?
2: I said simplicity, what? Terry. It's not uh, not being complicated, <laughs> and everybody yeah. thinks it's complicated <laughs> now, right? Everybody thinks oh, it's so complicated. No, it's not complicated <laughs> now. It's actually too accessible, if not overbearing thought, uh, uh, numbers.
3: And they still get as much wrong now as they did back then. If you look at the the drafts, it's doing a little bit better because you have a little bit more and the information in the senior bowl and getting to talk to players in the different bowl games. Of course, with the pandemic, that made things really kind of tough the past two years as far as the uh, combined medicals and pro pro day. Mm -hmm.
1: So I guess the only missing information then is if if you're able – you said you're able to interview players sometimes. Sometimes they would say no, sometimes they would say yes. And if they say no, then you just try to talk to whoever you can to kind of get the inside scoop, you know, from people that know them personally. Exactly, a
3: trainer. Somebody works at the deli. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) What kind kind of kid is he that comes in here and orders a ham sandwich? (laughs) What do you you say about him? (laughs) kind of thing. You know, basically, and they didn't have cell phones. It's very hard to reach everybody. So as I said, it was, it was a different world, but it was it was fun. I really enjoyed it.
1: Yeah. So I guess the only thing that you didn't mention that I'm curious about is, were you able to do like, um, like little individual workouts for them to show show you where they can do no. physically, or that, that didn't really happen? No,
3: no. You you only you would just watch. You would go there in the room and maybe watch films that they had that they didn't send out because you you didn't get a lot of films you got whatever yeah. you could and as soon, as soon as you got it you had to send it to another team Interesting. so you didn't even get, yeah so it was really kind of tough that oh, way no huddle, so they didn't have, they, they, there were no individual <laughs> at that time there was no individual workouts
2: connie okay. i'm telling them no huddle no huddle, uh, no huddle was it uh, was even known back then there was no huddle for yeah. tape it
3: was i it was it was, it was, it was a very different world but it was it was fun and uh yeah. then I said and then, of course, things changed. I left the Jets in 81 after I got married. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but that's, and then ESPN came, uh, started right after that to be on TV to do the draft.
1: Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So what do, you, what do you think about the way scouting is now compared to the way it was when you, you were? Do you think it's um, a lot better? Do you think there's too much access? Do you think, you know what I mean? Like how would you gauge that? I
3: think uh, no, I think it's still, you know, I, no, I think it's very important to know them. First of all, the guys as people, because now they're making so much more money, so yep. that you don't want. You just you're trying not to make the mistakes. Back in the old days, only Joe Namath made any kind of money, four hundred thousand, right? Most of the other yep. players had jobs, jobs in the off season, and insurance, oh, wow. car dealerships. So. And then they would play themselves. That's what preseason was for. You you, you played yourself back into football shape by having six preseason games. Mm. Then eventually it went to four. So, um, you know, as I said, I think they have all the stuff now. Plus, as I said, the interviews, the pre-draft physicals are, are very important. And yeah. some teams some teams put more emphasis on interviews or on physicals yeah. th- than other teams. You know. Uh, right. Character, some, some teams value character. Some really couldn't care less as much, let's right, put it that right.
1: way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've, I've, I've always been um, kind of enamored, you know, with basically excellence. So whether that's a New England Patriot with, you know, don't take defense of that because I know you're a Jets fan, but you <laughs> know, the Patriots were, were very good for a long time. You know, um, there's certain teams that have been able to be good teams for a long time, right, sustained success. And yeah, one yeah, of the right. things that I've always been curious about is – you know that there has to be, there has to be kind of a, um, a method to their madness, right? So like, like you said, the New England Patriots, mm-hmm. they, they might value character more than somebody else. They might value yep. you know, certain physical attributes. They might not care as much about blazing speed and look, look exactly. more for, you know what I mean, cumulative do- right, do- ability. Right.
3: We knew the Raiders. You knew the Raiders didn't care as much about, per se. They didn't, they didn't worry if guy a guy char- was a character, you know what I'm saying, it yeah. was a little outlandish, you know, just wind baby. Right. And, and, the, yeah. and the way that they did back then, that's all they really – and speed. And we knew Al Davis loved speed, 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 speed. Yeah. Then
1: the,
3: the, Dallas Cow- now the Dallas Cowboys, they were the first team. They were ahead of everybody with computers. They were the first team mm-hmm. to do that, and they were very big into measurables, you know, height, weight, mm-hmm. speed. Test score, yeah. you know, all that stuff. Right. Other people, other people just say, oh, I think he's a football player. That's where my boss was. And if you look at the Jets' 1976 and 77 draft, totally amazing. That was our two best drafts. And he, just, he could just tell you if a guy was a great player or not.
1: Yeah. Yeah, scouting is so interesting to me because there's so many different ways you can look at it. And you can't really yeah. say that one way is right or wrong, you know, because there's different ways to do it. Um, but it's mm-hmm. just so intriguing to me that you can value, you know, things like character, things like speed, things like just the eyeball test. Like you said, that's guys, that guy's just a football player. For me, if I was a yeah. scout, something that would be mandatory is the guy has to love football. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I, would, yes. I wouldn't want to draft a player that, you know, his first love is basketball and he just is good at football. You know, I want to have a guy that literally loves football the way that I do. Um, so they, yep. it's a dream of theirs to actually play the sport for a living. Um, but.
3: I, I agree with you in fact, the fact that was even back then if a guy had a lot of different options he said okay he, he's not going to be as hungry and this is before right. they really made money now they yeah. as I said they know they're gonna this is even harder now because you don't know how you, when you first draft them you know they, they seem to love the game when they come mm-hmm. to that second that, that big contract now in the fourth or fifth year now you really know if somebody loves it because when they get, just like all of us, some, some people when yeah. you get a lot of money, you do you keep it, you keep that level like a Tom Brady or or Pat Mahomes and different people like that. Other people yeah. don't. They kind of let it slide. As soon as they make the money, it's really not the love of the game. They already they're all set.
1: Yeah, they go on cruise control.
3: Exactly. exactly. That's why yes. you know. Even though Tom Brady, as I said, when I think about him for 22 years to actually every year get up and do it. Even after you've won, yeah. you know, sometimes it's hard after you win. Like people were saying after McVeigh, Donald said they, you know, people, mm-hmm. I don't know if they really said it or if they were just, you know, the news was quoting yeah. it or something. But, yeah. you know, you have to have that hunger to get up and do it again.
2: Mm-hmm. It's a burnout yeah. state, I mean, right? In a lot of ways, it's a burnout yeah. state. And then, and then you get to a stage where you're making all this money. You're thinking about retirement, injuries, uh, your kids growing yep. up, there's a lot of factors going mm-hmm. to play at that point because you give up so much time to the sport that you lose time with family. And a lot, of, a lot of guys come to that realization, especially when they got young kids going into that next stage of high school and they, they just don't want to miss out on, you know, everything because they're doing other things, you know. And like yep. you said, the money isn't a factor anymore because once they get the big contract, it's really a life decision, right? Do I step away from it because yep. I'm pretty much set, like you, to your point, or do I keep continue yep. to sacrifice, right?
3: And that's why I do admire what Tom Brady and Drew Brees and those guys, because they still, they, they gave everything for so many years. And every year they had to get back into it and do it again. Mm-hmm. And even if they won or didn't win, especially, especially Brady when you win that many times and you're in 10 Super Bowls, right. and the next year you got to go, do it all over again. And it's with different now with free agency, which we didn't have when I started working, you knew as soon as you drafted a player, he was yours. He was your baby and you had him. He was a jet for life. Now, once free agency started in the 80s, that changed everything.
1: Oh, that's crazy. I mean, I was born, I was born um, in 1981 when you got married. So, you know, a lot of this stuff I, I wasn't around to, to witness. But, it, you know, like yes. so I've never known the NFL without free agency. You know what I'm saying? It, and so yes. um, and I think, that's just crazy. Think yeah, I think there. a
3: lot of people are like you. I think a lot of people have, you know, it's even funny mm-hmm. on Twitter – Sometimes people think football didn't start before the year 2000 or something, but <laughs> <laughs> and really, and it was, and I love the football in the old days. I'm, I may maybe old fashioned, but I love the hitting. I love the toughness. They never tapped yeah. out and they didn't make as much money um, kind of thing. Yeah. It was, it was a different world and I have to accept it. I have to kind of go with the flow now, but yeah. I did, I did love that. And, and it was also, um, very much more family um, and low key. You know, there was no security. Um, I could be sitting at my desk and somebody would call up as a fan and say, Oh, I'm a real fan of so-and-so. And I would say, okay. And I would walk back to the locker room through the double doors and just say girl back and yell back there. And then I'd go back to the locker room and say, Oh, whoever that player was, when you get done and you get dressed, can you come up front and talk to this fan? Who's a fan of yours? And they said, sure. And, I bake apple pies for Joe Namath. You know, it was a very family. They were they were always over at our house. Uh, you know, yeah. it was a very it was very different back then. Um, mm-hmm. Just times have changed, and I have to, you know,
1: go with the flow.
3: Yeah, accept
1: the new reality, I guess.
3: Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, there no, there was no social media. You know, and now yeah. everybody has their own, their own brand. I do love, you know, Twitter as far I've met so many wonderful people on Twitter. And Jet's Twitter is phenomenal. And people, everywhere I go, no matter what, you meet so many people, they'll say, oh, you know, know you, I know you're from Twitter. Dah, dah. And um, I know some people can be uh, very negative and bad language and all this stuff, but I've been very blessed with about probably 95% have been, at least, have been awesome to me.
1: Yeah. Yeah, me and Oscar talk about the that. About, <laughs> Oscar says about how, you know, Twitter can be, Really awesome or really not awesome, (laughs) depending on who you're talking to or what the subject is. Well, Connie knows. I'm glad you got to get what Twitter is about. I mean, you you, if you go
2: into a dark realm of uh, politics, as I say most of the time, you're you're in for a bad ending and a disappointment, (laughs) and you're getting backlash, and you know whatever somebody wants to eliminate your Twitter account. That's usually the most I emotion.
3: <laughs> I know.
2: So I don't cancel I don't go that route. I try to stay no. Try to stay as low key as possible and 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 try to just you know uh you know just put out the news media what's out there and put an opinion here and there but. For the most part, yeah. you can manage and it well as well. It's just like any sports, other platform, sports.
3: Um, sports is the one platform still where we can have differences. You can be a Rams fan, sure. and Terry, who do you? Uh, you said you're, the, you're a Browns fan, right? Browns, and, I'm, home, yeah. I'm a, and we and we can all tease each other, and we can have fun. Yeah. But there's but there's not that kind of uh, you know, there's yeah. not that hatred and that, uh, that that kind of thing. We just we, we respect each other.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's true, what it is. I mean. Yeah, and and you have to keep it that way because it it really boils down to that, you know, just, and as my neighbor would say, Connie, because you're behind the phone, you wouldn't tell that to me in person because you would get a black eye.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. (laughs) You know, so, (laughs) the fear factor. uh,
3: Especially especially when they're anonymous, right? When you really, there's no one, not even a picture. Not even a picture. (laughs) Yeah, anonymous. The egg.
2: Yeah, the egg. egg. Oh, my goodness. That's yeah. a egg. Um, Connie, <laughs> let's, let's talk about your book. Uh, that's the X's and O's. Uh, I love you and, and don't mean I love you. Uh, it's right. pretty cool. And you can go to Connie at, at Connie Scouts on Twitter. You get that right there at the header. get the link right there to get the book. Uh, so it's a really nice book, uh, The Untold Story of the NFL's First Female Scout. So tell us a little bit about the book.
5: Yeah,
3: it's funny. Uh, my son decided about 12 years ago to make my website. I had no idea that that social media was going to explode. He said, "Mom, I just want to have this for you, so that you know that you, they can have the proof that you were the first female scout and that kind of thing. That way, you always have it in history for yourself." And I said, "Okay." So he made it for me, and and he said, "We'll call Connie Scouts." And I said, "Fine." Well, last next day, t- all of a sudden, you know, podcasts and interviews and it just blew up. And then this young lady called and. Elizabeth Meineke, and she said, I'd, I'd like to do a book. I didn't know her, but I talked with her, and she had the same uh, view and uh, values that I had. I d- didn't want this, you know, there's so much negativity out there. I, I've been very, as I mm-hmm. said, blessed with a lot of good stories, so we, we wanted to do that. The Jets were amazing, too, uh, and I went to stay with Mark Astineau and his wife uh, with with her, and Elizabeth came. Then I went to Jet Camp, and the Jets were great. They let her come on the field with me and well, we're watching training camp practices, um, you know, they've been nothing but supportive. Uh, the Jets were way ahead of most teams, I have to say.
2: So the book is a really interesting story and dives into your history as well as kind of put the focal point of what your journey was about. So it's really awesome. So if you guys get a read on it, go check it out right there at the link as well. And I believe it's on your Twitter header, if I'm correct. I wrote yes. my notes on
3: Yes, right at, the, right at the top there to make it easy. It's right on Amazon, and it's just a very easy, you know, just a nice little quiet read. It was, you know, I used to, I used to say it was a great pandemic read because everybody was inside, but now we're coming out <laughs> a little bit, so <laughs> 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 thank goodness, thank goodness.
0: <laughs> yeah.
3: So, it's, as I said, it's a positive book, and it's good for, yeah. I wanted it to be for, for young ladies, for Jets fans, football fans in general, um, you know, that they could feel their parents could feel good about their child reading that book.
2: It's awesome. So you go to ConnieBook.com, dot com. Conniebook dot com you can get her book right there. It's really easy. Uh quick link right there. Get your get your card ready to go. And then Connie dot com is the website as well. Uh Connie, thanks for coming in. I really appreciate it. Thanks for making the time uh, exciting Super Bowl fifty six breaking it down for us as well. I really, really appreciate it. And uh, I hope you had a good time. Looking forward to maybe another oh. chat as we, as we get into the 2022, uh, 2022 season. A lot of changes here. And before you go, honey, oh. I, I want to get your take on – I know you, you – interesting take for you, but I want to get a ta- your take on this. You know, Deshaun Watson, Kyler Murray, all these, these, these kids just literally just one way or the other, they're having issues with the front office and themselves. It's a different world now. It's like you were pointing out before, where people were signed in commitment to keep it internal and things like that. Now we got social media, and it, it seems like these uh, young, uh, for me, it seems like these young kids are just easy out to just you know go out there and, and make a big splash. And you know how social media gets with you know Instagram and, and Twitter. The moment somebody yes. oh well, he did he unfollowed the Arizona Cardinals. Oh,
3: there's like, you know, I know that's the part that makes it a whole different. And that's, I, I hate that part. You know, I really do. I, you know, I kind of like to be a little bit idealistic and I, I know I am, but um, it, it is a shame. I mean, the player. you know, in the old days when they didn't have social media, the players could go out and do a lot of stuff. Which they all did, you know, just like they do now, but p- players nowadays can't get away with the thing because there's yeah. everybody has a camera. In the old right. days, they may have done things, but nobody ever saw it because there were no cameras. And they had some, pri- uh-huh. they had some privacy, other than poor Joe <laughs> Namath. But um, so he was a great guy. He is a great guy. So I know it's a, it's a hard thing. Um, but, you know, whenever, whenever there is big money involved and now everybody with their brands and stuff like that. So it is something uh, that everybody's getting. Agents. You know, for players, they have a lot more say than they ever used to in the old days. And so there's just a lot of different things that are happening in this world all at once. And for, um, you know, young young people especially.
2: It's, it's, Connie, I see it as a divide because the moment, right, like I was just monitoring on Twitter and Twitter, like I said, it's somewhat of a cesspool in some ways or not. And it could be good yeah. and it could be very bad. But for Twitter, like yeah. the reaction was he, the, you know, he – Unfollowed the Arizona Cardinals, and then everybody starts into speculation, right? So then all fans yep. come in. One, some <laughs> fans for the team, some fans for the quarterback, right? And to your yep. point, yep. nobody takes into account that maybe the agents at fault. Yep. Oh, <laughs> yeah, there's, there's, there's
3: there's there's that whole thing. There's a, there's family. There's people that hang on. There's agents. There's sure. every, you know there's just so much so much stuff going on, you know, behind the scenes. I mean, poor look at poor tom brady he couldn't even get his retirement out in his his own time which is something you know he would have liked to have done but wherever it came from or however it came um then he had to kind of come forward with it even though they had to deny it for a couple of days just so he could do it in his own way and tom's very Mm -hmm. um creative on his um social media but it is it's a as I said, it's not an easy world. I do feel sorry for the players in some degree. I, um, I know they take it, they, it's an advantage, but it's also, as I said, their life is a fishbowl.
2: Yeah, it, and it's pure pressure because, like you said, they're all under a, mic- a microscope now, if you are on social yeah. media. There's even some players that uh, I've, you know, had talked to before, and it shocks me when I, I reach out and go, hey, uh, you know, you don't have an Instagram and, and they give their reasons why they don't have an Instagram, right? Or you don't have a Twitter. They give their yeah. reasons why they don't yeah. have a Twitter. You know what I mean? It's like they all – some of them just like do not want to be on a certain platform because they know that it's, it's just it's, – it's detriment to their career or it's going to bring some yeah. sort of issue with their marriage, you know, things yep. like that. You're out, you know, with rumors sure. and all that other stuff that happens. So, yeah, it's a different ballgame to your, to your point. It's it's just a little bit more heightened, but at the same time, it's, it could be, a, a you know, a bad thing. In the end, I know
3: it's, just, it's 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 kind of like a fine line that you're trying to draw. You know, try, you want to be out there with the people and and talking to people, and, and and then fans feel that they can reach you and that you're that you're human, and they and mm-hmm. it's great. But then then there's that overstepping where the fans think they run your life, and yep. you, you know you can't say anything. As I said, I remember I was at Derek Jeter. That whenever yep. he had, whenever yep. he got a group of people together, they, he made sure everybody had to put their phones away before they came inside his place, which was very smart. And it was only mm-hmm. a select group. I mean, it, it's uh, and it's gotten worse since you know since then. So, um, mm-hmm. as I said, I do feel I, I do feel for them for these young guys. And overall, I'm telling you, they're they're really wonderful people. I, you know, sometimes they can get. You know, when you have two thousand players and you have ten or twenty to do something that's going to be the same in any business. And most yeah. of them yep. are really, really wonderful guys.
2: All right, Connie, thank you for the time. Really appreciate it. I know it's kind of late on the East Coast, but I really appreciate you making the time. And, uh, and this has uh, been entertaining. I, I hope you had a good time. And uh, looking forward to maybe another chat as we get to the, the next season, 2022. Uh, it's going to be a lot of changes. Uh, I, have, I have no idea what my Rams are going to look like. Did we, we sell the farm? <laughs> Right, <laughs> The changes on defense, so so we'll we'll see well, at this point.
3: But you got your you, you got your Super Bowl, and that's what you know. That's what they put everything in to do this year. So they they accomplished what they set out to do. You know, you can't. Yeah, that was, nowadays, that was awesome. You, just, you know, so you got to feel really good about it. Enjoy it, and I hope you get to watch the parade tomorrow.
2: Oh, yeah, for sure. I'll be watching the parade for sure. I mean, 99 all day, Connie. You should have seen me here yelling at, in my living room. 99 all day on the last play.
0: And my wife,
2: my wife thought, you need to calm down. You need to calm down. I said, stop. I said, this guy is going to make the play. Look at him. And he made the play. And I was just, like, jumping up and down. I was just like, just enjoy.
3: Just phenom- it was. It was just phenomenal. So, it was. And the whole playoff season was outstanding. So, they can, was the nice. NFL could be really proud. Of what they accomplished through the pandemic and getting both CTL last season and this season in mm-hmm. and we were so we were we were very lucky to have it all right thank care. you very much Terry and Oscar Terry and Oscar a pleasure talking to you both Likewise, thank you ma'am for night. the
2: time I really appreciate it and uh, we'll chat soon and uh, take care stay safe okay had safe travels out there and enjoy your evening
3: and I have to say, J E T S, jets, jets, jets. jets. <laughs> <it>. Fair enough. <laughs>
2: Goodbye. Bye. There you go, Terry. Uh, she's on the same boat as the Browns, Browns, Browns. Dog, 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 dogs. With Dillo. You yeah. and Dillo there.
1: Yep. Yeah. She she uh, she can relate. Me and her have both had some some trying times as fans, NFL fans. So it's awesome to talk to her and meet her.
5: Yeah,
2: I, I mean, I, I needed to bring her on because who better to break down the Super Bowl than the first NFL female scout, right? I mean, it's just like, yeah, you just got to bring her on. Exactly. It's like, they're after the Super yeah. Bowl, right? And well, she, can, she knows there. football, Gary. She can break down. Yes, she <laughs> had a lot of insights there. Um, and go back in the day, as she said, <laughs> yeah. she just took us back to memory lane. Like, even before you, yeah. me and you were born, technically. You know, back to yeah. memory lane. It's like, Don't name it. That's like back in the 60s, right? That's like when the NFL barely was getting started. She was literally in that that, era where it was just taking off.
1: Yeah, it was so cool to hear those stories, man, because like I said, it was before I was born, and some of those things I would never have even figured out without her telling me them. I I had no idea there were 17 rounds. I had no idea that players, there was no such thing as free agency. I had no idea that scouting was, you know, as – Elementary, as it used to like like it used to be. There was no uh, workouts or you know combine, etc. So it's just so cool to educate myself about that.
2: All right, so let's not feel too old. So let's bring in uh, Mark Simone in the house so we can feel a little <laughs> bit more with each other here. Hey, Mark,
5: how's it going? <laughs> so, so, what you're saying is, you know, you bring the the old man in, make these guys feel younger. I remember, there you go. No, I don't remember I now I don't remember Joe Nam, Joe Namath. I do remember <laughs> the NFL of the seventies and the eighties, it's true. Um, <laughs> I didn't really realize uh, you know, how free agency sort of impacted the NFL. I was more into uh major league baseball mm-hmm. when I was of a younger age there. So I, I saw how that happened in major league baseball. So it was really great to hear um you know, perspective of how it happened in the NFL. And oh, what can we say about Connie Carver? Man, what a lovely woman. I'm so glad yeah. that you did this interview. I've I've got to go get that book and read it. Um, it so it's we'll on the top the of my to-do You guys get it. It's pretty inexpensive. It's a really good read.
2: Um, I mean, this is this is history. I mean, for her, it was like, you know, to her point, right? Now we're like, oh, the first female full-time coach, in, you know, I mean, all this first. But she was never mentioned as a first, right? Until so, like she Isn't said, right? uh, was like you know, somebody came up to her and said, ago. "Let's write this book about your story, right?" To make sure that people understand, people know about you. Uh, but other than that, there was no fanfare. That's what, that's her point. There was no fanfare for that, you know. Now it's like, mm-hmm. you know, everything's a first, right? <laughs> it's blown up on social media. It's like a first, and it's like okay, well, that's that's it's a big deal. But at the same time, it's like in her time, it wasn't that big of a deal, you know?
5: Right. It's uh, you know, we're. I think um, I think we're all getting to a point where we want to get past the firsts, right? Um, yeah, um, the, the firsts are awesome. Uh, you know, barriers have to be broken, um, and but we've heard it a lot. You know, uh, it's it's not about being first; it's just making sure that you're not the last, right? So correct, and 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 so that's where we're heading, and, and I think that's what we're seeing um, uh, in the NFL, and uh, Connie Carberg was certainly the first, and it's it's obvious that she was a big reason that she wasn't the last. So um, uh, what a great story.
2: I'm calling her for uh, to be the general manager of the Jets, and I think the Jets would go to the Super Bowl. So just my take on it, let's put her in the um, yeah. front office. Let's get her to do some deals and wheels. Let's get the yeah. Jets yeah, to the
5: not Super to and not to the, knock not the Jets too much, but I think they could use a little bit of help with their decision-making with the personnel. No yeah. way, Mark. Really? Let's put her in there. <laughs> I think she can do
2: it.
1: <laughs> Let's give her a
2: shot. <laughs> Let's give her the shot. Uh, Terry, are you hanging Let's out or are you, are you bailing out?
1: What do you guys cover next? Of course,
2: we got a lot of stuff to cover. We got Gridiron West coming up here. We got LNFA Feminine mm-hmm. in Spain. And we're going to talk everything that happened at the hub for the Super Bowl weekend. So if you want to hang out, let's let's do it.
1: All right, I'll stick around for for this segment, and I'll take off after that.
2: Okay, that's fine. Let's let's do it, Mark. Uh, I don't know. Whirlwind week, Super Bowl hype over the NFL umbrella, but we also had um, umbrella hype for both WFA WNFC. A lot more for the WFA because of. The Team Milk ambassadors, and your girl Adrian Smith and Lois Cook as well. So uh, you know, a positive weekend, a very influential weekend, and a, a big awareness weekend for the NFL landscape to understand that there is, you know, women's tackle football.
5: Yeah, you know, I mean, it really was, and you know, I'm just beginning to feel now as somebody like like you, Oscar, and uh, many of our listeners been around the game women's football for a long time and you know we know firsthand what the challenges are in um trying to communicate and broaden the audience for of women's football and after all this time you know i i feel like that message is is finally getting out there right sometimes you have to there's an adage you have to say something a hundred times before someone will hear you once uh, yep. Whoever came up with that adage had young children. Uh, just that's a side <laughs> note. Um, For sure, <laughs> but it, it, it's true, right? We've had to we've had to tell the story so many times, and now it's starting to penetrate, um, you know, in, into uh, uh, the influencers are, are now sort of taking that message, and you know. You, you've got people like Robert Kraft. You've got people um, like, I, I forget his name, but the CEO of uh, the Hall of Fame Village. Um, um, you know, it, it's, just, it's just penetrating into the, the NFL and, and um, the broader, more mainstream media. So, and I think this weekend, we obviously saw a lot of it. There was a lot going on. Uh, you know, it was a lot to keep up with, uh, quite mm-hmm. frankly, all the different events, um, the billboard that went up for, for Team Milk, um, you know, the the coin toss at the Super Bowl. I, I mean, it just like almost every, it, it felt like almost every facet of the experience of Super Bowl uh, carried in some part the message of, of women in sports and, and particularly women in football as as something that is, you know, a fact, which, of course, it is.
2: Well, I want to just, you know, let's put it in perspective. We would not be at this point, and we had Lois Cook here last week, and she, you know, basically pointed it out. It's really a, an achievement for everybody, all women and girls that are playing football, black football or regular football. But you know what? She's made huge impact. Uh, Adrian was on the track before even Lois got into it with uh, G.I. Uh, G.I. as well. And obviously, champ, yep. uh, Blitz Champ, their game. So she's been, you know, on the road doing a lot of things prior to even Lois getting here. But Lois really, I think, has uh, elevated the awareness, especially with the TikTok. Once she got on TikTok, once she started doing Instagram Reels, once uh, she got a, a big audience on both platforms. Um, so, you know, and... I don't know, you know, if she wants to get credit for that or not. But at the same time, it is reality, and the reality is she did have a, a greater uh, impact and audience. And then obviously throw in uh, Adrian as well into the mix. And Adrian's really, you know, into that mode of accessible to media, putting herself out there in terms of business, you know, and things like that. So, you know, between the two of them, as I mentioned, to Lois, you know, who better to represent the WFA than the two two players from historic franchises the Divas and the and the Renegades.
5: Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, that's that's kind of like the icing on the cake. Now, there are other, you know, there are other uh players and and people um in women's football who could, you know, also carry that torch and they do carry that torch. Uh but it as you as you mentioned, it is a cumulative effect. Like everybody everybody who's played the game has had a, has a positive effect on it. And, uh, but it, it takes special people like Lois and Adrian to kind of carry that, to to propel that message forward into public spaces. And they've done that effectively. Um, You know, Adrian's been doing it for years. Um, Anybody, anybody that she talks to, is going to get the full, going to get the full story, and they're going to leave a believer. Um, mm-hmm. And Lois has has um, learned to leverage social media, so that even the shortest, even the shortest amount of communication that happens delivers a very, very big message, kind of messaging. So, uh, yeah, they're both very, very powerful communicators.
2: And then the bottom line, Terry, it's all about marketing. And I think we're, we're at a level now where before we were not intuitive with how the platforms could benefit us. And I really think between Adrian and Lois, they've gotten to the stage where they understand how to leverage the social media platforms and really get, you know, get a basically organic uh, type of feedback, right? And the, reach, the reachability to, to an average friend to let them know that the sport, the league exists, and that obviously there's, women that play American football at a high level, even in the States here in our realm in terms of North America, but just to give, you know, the, the scope of it at an NFL event, I think was huge.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as Connie alluded to, um, you know, American football in the sixties or seventies is night and day from what it is now. And one of those things is social media. And so it's cool that, women's football has made as much progress as it has. And the fact that these people like Lois and Adrian are able to leverage uh, certain social medias to the benefit of the sport, is just awesome to see. So um, it's it's like um, Mark said, it's all pushing stuff in the right direction. So getting more exposure, getting people, you know, in the stands to watch the games, um, it's it's all going in the right direction. So it's exciting because –
2: I love now, football in Mark,
1: football so just as part of that.
2: Yeah, and, and Terry and, and Mark, in general, we, we had two big, big influences in terms of the sport at the Super Bowl event because we had the WFA front and center in billboards with these two superstars. You also had Cynthia Deck with the WNFC. You also had you know, obviously uh, Od- uh, Odessa Jenkins and the w- WNFC group out there as well. So both leagues. We're at Radio Row. Both leagues were at Media Accessibility. Um, I mean, it was just, it was just in, enjoyable to watch the fact that they were right there in the mix, not a side note, not a side story, not some sort of like television, you know, just a side bit or anything like that. No, they were literally in that NFL
5: world. You know what I mean? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it, it definitely um, brings a, a very good feeling, a, a very hopeful feeling, Um, that, you know, the the women's game and the the people who make it happen are, you know, accepted as peers into uh, this community that um, can help, you know, push the game along even further. So, um, yeah, I know there was, you know, a lot of handshaking and a lot of introductions that happened this past weekend. And... Mm -hmm uh hopefully you know those those will lead to fruitful conversations in the future and um you know uh events that that help um, improve the women's game uh, even more
2: uh, mark what do you think of tanya walters uh better time obviously she's been playing since 2013 with the western women's canadian football league she's uh, obviously uh, started a uh youth football league up there with the flag and the tackle in Edmonton, um, you know, silver medalist for the IFAB world, a women's Canadian team in 2017. Uh, opportunity there first, you know, obviously we talked about that earlier, you know, being the first, but she's a good representative. She's done her time internship as well. Part of the women's forum as well from Sam Rappaport. Uh, I think she's going to do well in BC lions, but what a great moment for
5: the WWCFL as well. Right, yeah, I mean it you know this growth isn't just happening here in the United States, you know it's happening in Canada as well, and um, you know in, in other places we've we've been very lucky really to sit back and kind of watch the growth of the game internationally, and we follow it every week here um, and uh, but for our neighbors just to the north, uh, you know i we're just the geographical. Closeness to to Canada, Um, and we're beginning to see a little bit more overlap between um, the athletes, uh, the scope of 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 the athletes here in the United States and those in Canada. Right, Um, so that's yeah, that is very exciting news. And you know, what can I say? Like the kind of unprecedented success uh, that uh, the women's game is seeing in in their marketability and their acceptance um, uh, wouldn't, it would be for not, right. If girls didn't sign up to play flag football, if the women who are playing in the leagues aren't, you know, making themselves better and elevating the level of the game, you know, just women's tackle football compared to 10 years ago is so much more Advanced, uh, I'll say it, like, the, the athletes are, they're like professional athletes, a lot of them. They, they are some of the most serious athletes that, that I've ever met, and they approach women's football like a profession. And 10 years ago, that was a little bit different. Not as many folks approached the game that way. It was maybe a little bit more of um, a recreational thing. So as the game has gotten better, As more young girls have taken up football, the game's gotten Mm -hmm. stronger. And we're seeing the benefits of that. And, you know, now there are girls' leagues, tackle leagues even coming up, and and it's just pretty awesome.
2: Terry, uh, your two cents. I mean, you've been following the sport a little probably about the same time we have, but I think we've arrived at a marketability level, right, which we were missing ultimately. I think we, we all had, you know, the community engagement. We all had, let's, you know, let's get the sponsorship, local sponsorship. Thing, but I think it's a bigger ball game now, uh, especially with the WNFC getting Adidas, the WFA getting Secret and other, other sponsors. So I think that the expectation is higher, and I, the leadership in both leagues, I think, understand that now. But the markability mm-hmm. is now a big focal point because you have to get attached to the gorilla to the big gorilla. It's the only way you're going to penetrate bigger sponsorship, bigger money, and actually get to a pay uh, to pay the players. There's no other way around it. You've got to, you know, be able to maneuver yourself in that markability state.
1: Yeah, I know this is going to sound biased, but I really do feel like the WNFC becoming a league and kind of setting the standard of wanting to be more professional and eventually getting, you know, players paid, and, and going out and actually following through with a lot of their promises as far as securing big sponsorships, you know, with major companies in the U.S. Um, that kind of put a lot of pressure on the WFA to do something, you know, somewhat similar. Um, and so it was a win-win for everybody, you know what I mean, because things were happening that had never happened before in the sport. So I'm glad that it happened. But like you said, I think we are at kind of a turning point because these things didn't happen until the last few years in women's football. And so it's exciting, like Mark said, um, to see these early signs of what, what the potential is you know is for the sport. So it's just... Um,
2: well, I'm going to tell you right now, on the weekend in Los Angeles, there was a screenplay uh, of Born to Play, which is probably... Yeah. Um, I know we've had other documentaries in the past. You know, we have an open field also who uh, won an award uh, this past month or so uh, with uh, Sammy Grisofi. Mm-hmm. But I really feel like the born-to-play screenplay probably brings it justice in, term the, in terms of what the sport is all about in, in a mm-hmm. uh, film-type film of aspect. So, Very Lieberman, you know, shout-out to her and her crew. Uh, we owe her a lot. And, and I think that's the key right there. So, I don't know if you both would agree, but I think born-to-play really brings attention to, to our sport in more ways than not. When you watch it, you really get the feel you know, what's, what they go through, what the sacrifices are, and how excellence can be achieved even on a, uh, and a, and a level where the players are not getting paid.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think everything we've mentioned, those are all like – they all have a cumulative effect on, you know, a positive um, branding of the sport. So whether it's, you know, certain players uh, using social media in a way to get more exposure um, – People making quality films that like you said, people can watch and they're they're well put together and they're high quality and they really give you an inside look at what women 's football is about and what people sacrifice to you know to do it um, and then lastly, the thing that we haven't talked about is it blows my mind how much just networking can do for you, so when I mm-hmm. see you know w n c players going to Vegas you know, for the all-star game and the all-star skills showdown and stuff like that. And they're taking pictures with Alvin Kamara. And, you know, then we see these little bits where Russell Wilson's talking about women's football and some other players, like all that stuff matters, man. So just having simple conversations, meeting somebody in person, making sure that people are really aware of the sport, um, that, that does, that does a lot. I mean, you you can create so much traction just with, you know, networking. So it's all very exciting. I, I can't wait to see what the future holds.
2: Yeah, and, and Mark uh, Carrie Walters out there, and she knows branding. The Raiders come to town. She needs to. She knows she has to get hooked up with the Raiders. She's a Raider fan. Uh, I mean, I think she's doing a great job over there, trying to ha- get the Silver Stars front and center in terms of Mar- uh, Mark Davis, and uh, hopefully, she's you know they'll get supported there in whatever way possible with flag league support or you know just a local community aspect of it, but you bring Raider fans to to understand that you have a women's tackle football league or, or a women's you know team in 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 the city uh, there's opportunity big opportunity
5: undoubtedly and you know i I'm feeling very confident that um, you know she, Walters will be able to um, bring in some support uh, for the team and, and what they want to do there. And I, I agree with you. I mean, the Raiders are one of the best fan bases in all of sports. Uh, I mean, those they can get pretty darn crazy. Um, so that's a good that's a good fan base to have. And you know, they're they're both in Vegas. You know, it's the only women's game going on there right now. So I, this is a really great opportunity for for um, the Silver Stars to to make those connections and make inroads and work with influencers who can um, really help them out. Yeah. All right. She's done a great job marketing in Vegas with the
2: aces, with the Raiders. Uh, So she's really diving into the WNBA and the NFL. Uh, Just, you know, just an opportunity. She just needs, she's, they're working at it. So that's a good sign. Ultimately, um, if we can just get the Charger fans to come over to the LA Legends games, I think we'll be fine. You know, Charger fans. Cause I don't think there's that many Charger fans in Los Angeles. I was just
5: about to ask if there was any Chargers fans.
2: I don't know. Are there any Chargers <laughs> fans left? Oh, there's plenty. I'm pretty sure that there's a, a few enough to fill the seats at the uh, uh, LA Legends uh, games. So hopefully they'll they'll make their migrate themselves there. <laughs> Uh, sorry, I gotta mark the chargers anyway. Anyways, uh Super Bowl champs, the Rams. Just to make sure you understand. LA is owned by the Rams.
5: Yeah. So everybody <laughs>
2: knows that. Congrats. Congrats, um,
1: Oscar. Yeah, congrats.
5: Yeah,
2: no, a, uh ninety nine all day, Terry. That's my line now and my, my my wife says, You're so annoying, just get off of that now. it's so annoying. <laughs> it's over. <laughs> well it's true. But no, I'm, I'm good.
1: I'm
2: good, I'm good. Um No, I mean, the headlines this week, Mark and Terry, uh, just at the hub. If you're not at the hub, bub, I don't know what you're doing. I mean, get a Coke, draw, whatever. Just pick it up. It's like a newspaper deal. Uh, But, you know, a lot of stuff happening this past weekend with the Super Bowl, the flag, the event, uh, you know, Tanya Walters' announcement today, uh, Adrian Smith, Lois Cook at the Super Bowl, WNFC. I mean, for us, fans of both leagues, and the sport I mean it was just a whirlwind weekend on top of you know the culmination of the Super Bowl so it was pretty cool
5: Yeah I mean there's a lot of new there's a lot of news at the hub it's a lot of good news too I mean this has been a very exciting week if there's any week that you want to get to the hub and just just keep up with what happens like this is the time to do it it's it was Super Bowl week and we had a lot of news too so get to the hub bub
1: <laughs> All right,
5: Terry. I know you're at the hub every day, because I, I
2: I can see when you're logging in and stuff.
1: So no, I'm it's just the kidding. first thing I do when I wake up. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> get, All get right. I'm know about
2: that far. <laughs> but, <laughs> that's a good plug. It's <laughs> a good plug. All right. Um, I don't know. Uh, at, at this point, it was just a happy week. I I, I think I, that's the. I guess that's what I want to put down to it. A happy week, you know. Uh, you know. Shout out to Uh, The WFA leadership, shout-out to the WNFC leadership out there. Shout-out to the superstars, you know, Lois Cook um, and uh, Adrian Smith. And, uh, you know, great, great event out there as well. Shout-out to, you know, Jen Welter, um, Joy Taylor as well, helping out this week. uh, You know, and um, uh, all the events that happened, you know, in terms of at the Rose Bowl plus at the Super Bowl, I mean, just just an exciting week. I mean, it's a memorable week, actually, if you really, really, like, want to put it in scope. Right? Super Bowl fifty six will be a memorable uh, uh, event that we can recall back and say, not because the Rams won the Super Bowl, but just because it was just a win win for both uh the WFA and WNFC.
1: Yep. No doubt. Yeah I mean all things uh, no doubt. Yeah. Go ahead Mark.
5: Oh yeah, I mean like I said, I mean it, so much happened and Uh, You know, having women's football just really just being a part of what Super Bowl weekend, you know, week, Super Bowl week is all about, uh, Mm -hmm. totally ingrained into it. And we've just never seen that before. Uh, This was the first year. So this was definitely a very, very special year. Shout out to uh, uh,
2: the Milk campaign for, uh, you know, showcasing. These two amazing superstars, Lois Cook and uh, Adrian Smith, and including the, the two flag superstars, uh, you know. And so, you know, just a great moment, great, a great weekend. And all we can do is go up from here. So I'm, I'm assuming, you know, we got surprises coming. The season hasn't kicked off. We got about what 30 30 days or so, almost 60, what well, 45 days, and then we got the seasons that kick off. So a lot of excitement coming up here in April for both leagues, and then we got the IFAB World Championships on top of that. So, And then we have no idea if the transatlantic tournament is going to happen at this point. We have no official announcement on, on that. But huge year for women's tackle football. And uh, if you're at the Hub, you can get everything that's happening in the sport in North America, South America, Australia, Europe, even out in the Guam Pacific. So check it out. The best network on the planet exists at the Hub. So check it out, Bub. All right. All right, Terry, <laughs> you hanging out or are you bailing on us? A-
1: I'm bailing on you, but it was a pleasure. Um, I'll talk to you guys soon.
2: All right. Thanks for making the time coming in here for uh, doing the interview with Connie. I really appreciate it, and uh, we'll catch you next Tuesday. So rest up. All right.
1: Sounds good. Thanks, Terry. Bye. Uh, all right. See you. All
5: right.
2: All right, Mark, there you go. Terry Lister uh, have, uh, checking out and uh, checking in to help us out with the Connie Kohlberg, uh interview. Uh, um, just an awesome lady. And uh, she just very uh, accommodating, which I was surprised because normally you you uh, message people and all of a sudden they're like, hey, you got to call Joe Blow here at the PR department. You know what I mean? Send your email, blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah. Now she was like, yeah, I'm good. Tuesday, let's do it. I was just as right. easy as that. Um,
5: she's, oh. old, she's still doing it old school, the way she described, you know? Um, yeah. <laughs> you just show up at the office, you get to talk to somebody.
2: <laughs> which is good. I, I loved her. I love her. I and mean, she's she's amazing. And uh, if you're on Twitter, go, fit, go check out the, her Twitter feed at Connie scouts. And she was right there watching the super bowl and she was giving her insights. So it was really cool as well. So check out Connie scouts on uh, Twitter as well. So check yeah, it out. To, All I'll right. Mark, uh, let's break it down here. Uh, I know we're, uh, if you guys want to get Texas Valley sports, uh, results, you're going to have to go to the hub. I'm sorry, because I didn't break it down further enough this week, but, uh, you know, go to the hub and get the Texas Valley Sports Women's uh, uh, breakdown so far in that. But we're going to break down Gridiron West, and we're gonna, we're going to break down LNFA Feminina through three weeks and uh, break it down until the top of the hour here. Uh, but you know what, Mark? This uh, this is where we wanted to be. We talked about it two weeks ago about how you know Curtin had to get in, how you know the Swan City had a, a must win, and this was the week that needed to happen. Unfortunately, the Titans did not make it happen, so. We do have the playoffs pretty much set now for Great Iron West, February 19th, coming up this next weekend. The 26th will be the final. And so uh, no surprises here. You got
5: Perth and Rockingham, pretty much the two favorites going into this. Um, they're the two favorites. They were the, the, the two that advanced to the finals last year. Um, and throughout this season, they've been the two teams to beat. Uh, the Perth Broncos started out the strongest on uh, the beginning of the year, and they got a big victory over the defending champion Vipers. Um, let's see, what week was it? It was a uh, it was a uh, mid November. They they got an eight to zero victory over the Vipers, and so that was the big win for them to stay undefeated. Uh, I think they went five and zero after they won that that game but as of late it would seem that the Lockingham Vipers have come on pretty strong and uh, they get a revenge victory over the the Broncos 38 to nothing um, just a few weeks ago on January 22nd so now that we're heading into the playoffs you know we can kind of see it, it it's kind of written on the wall, right? Don't you think, Oscar, probably in the finals we're going to see a rematch of last year's championship? It just seems like that's going to be the collision,
2: right? Because you're you're, you're talking about the two dominant teams in this league, uh, and they've been back and forth since the inception of this league. So this past week we saw Curtin Saints step up their game. It was these, uh, the Saints and Titans. This is the game, the marquee game they were going to watch. It was a 38-24, uh, the Curtain Saints edge, the Titans. Um, you know, I felt kind of bad for the Titans. They were on a good run there. But, uh, you know, they, the uh, the Saints did earn it, and that's the, the, the bottom line, and that's where you're at now. So uh, going up against the top dogs here, this is going to be interesting, uh, Mark, because the Vipers, uh, even with their forfeit, you know, whatever, but they they, they are the team to beat they they own this until somebody else takes them down uh which more more than likely it's probably going to be Perth but let's give the Saints a, at least an opportunity to maybe show out
5: right they earned that they they earned the opportunity to do that um by being titans uh they uh went 6 and 6 on the season very respectable in this league uh go 500 and uh you know they've They've increased in their competitiveness throughout the year. So it's been a really – actually a pretty great season for the Curtain Saints. And now they get a chance uh, at the Big Dogs uh, to try and propel themselves into the championship with an upset victory. Um, it's a tall task. I definitely feel like, as you say, you know, uh, the Rocky and Viper, it, it, it's the Vipers – championship until somebody takes it away from them. I feel like they're, you know, they're, they're rank number one. I definitely feel like they're the favorite.
2: I'm, I have no, no doubt there. I mean, defensively, they've been really good all year. Offensively, they've been playing very consistent ball. Uh, curtain defense will have to do a really good job here in order for them to have a, sh- a chance to win. Offensively, I'm not too high on the Saints offense, but if they can limit their mistakes, more than likely, that's going to be the case, and they, and they maybe, uh, maybe stay close. I, I just can't give them the victory at this point.
5: Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree um, that they really need to step it up on defense. That's definitely been their, um, I think, their biggest weakness over the course of the season. Uh, they gave up 266 uh, points, which is uh, the third most in the league. So that's a lot of points. Now, um, you know, to their credit, uh, the Saints have given up fewer points on, on the last half of the season than, than the first half. So they have improved. But if they're going to beat the Vipers, they really have to have a lockdown performance on defense. I think their offense has been okay. Uh, but that said, the Vipers' defense is the best in the league. They've only given up 28 points all year. So uh, the current things have to be firing on all cylinders to have a chance to win this game.
2: The next matchup, Mark, Broncos and Wolverines, kind of a evenly matchup here. Um, they have not, neither team is like a surprise, surprise team. You know, uh, we have uh, 11 and, 11 and uh, 0 and 1, and you got a 7-1 and I guess 4 is the, is the breakdown in terms of the latter state. So, Uh, I mean, West Coast did start off really hot, and then all of a sudden, you know, the reality sank in after about uh, week three, and now they're here in the mix, and it's an opportunity for them to take down Perth Broncos. Broncos, uh, you know, would just like to return to the final, get an opportunity to take down the Vipers.
5: Right. Um, This should be a very, very um, good, hard-fought game. Although there's a disparity in the in the the win loss records, as you said, eleven and one for the Broncos and seven and four for the Wolverines, the the Wolverines have played close games. The only games that they've lost have been to the top two teams. So it's you know I expect that this is probably going to be a pretty close battle. Um, In previous games this year the Wolverines lost twice to the Broncos. The first time it it was pretty, you know, pretty tough loss, 30 to zero. But in the rematch, um, four weeks later, a month later, uh, they lost by a score of 14 to zero. Okay. Still two shutouts. That's not great, but they reduced the, the, you know, the margin of their loss by 16 points. If they do that again, well, you know, that's two points in their favor. So, um, you know, I'm not saying it's likely, but I'm saying there's a you know, there's definitely a possibility that uh, the Wolverines can can pull this one out. Uh, like I said about the previous game, the other game, you know, they are going to have to perform well in all three phases of the game. Uh the Broncos are they no. just too strong. You can't make any mistakes
2: no exactly I, i'm I'm with you on that. I think that's the biggest takeaway from this game. is that uh, that's the bottom line because they've played tough defensively all year in terms of the Wolverines, but can they score is the bottom line? I think defensively, there's no question that they can be, they can really play good ball. It's going to be their offense that we have question marks on right now.
5: Yep, yep, I I agree. I agree with that. And on yeah, the other I mean, side, the only sports... Perth,
2: Perth has done really well, so uh, there's no question there that they they can put up points. They can put up points, and they know what, you know, the next level is because they've seen the Vipers firsthand.
5: That's right. I've been to the championship for uh, last year, and, and I think maybe the year before that as well. Um, so... Yeah, it's going to be a very exciting week. Uh, this this coming Saturday, I think, the games are, right? Both of the games are Saturday?
2: Yeah, Saturday the 19th.
5: Uh, we got uh,
2: Vipers taking on Saints, and you got the Broncos uh, taking on Wolverines. This is a, a weekend to watch Gridiron West because, I mean, can Curtin Saints pull the big upset? Because that would be an upset if they – somehow find a way to take down the Vipers, it would be a big, big upset. Highly unlikely. But, uh, you know, if you're Curtin Saints, like I said, defensively, you've got to step your game up. Offensively, minimize your mistakes. And there may be an opportunity there for that. But uh, given the Vipers' firepower and given the Vipers, like you said, defensive, uh, you know, all year really good, um, it's just going to be a hard, hard battle for them to do it. And then on the other side, Perth. I mean, they, they, they're pretty evenly matched, I think, in, in a lot of ways. And so it's going to be a, the team that makes the less mistakes and the team that steps up on defense more likely will get the win.
5: Absolutely. And, um, you know, just in support of the underdogs, there's no team in this league that hasn't been beaten this year. So nobody's invincible. It's a playoffs now. It's been a long season. This has got to be the longest season in in all of women's football, right? 12, 12 game regular season. Um, it is so twelve games. Every everybody's worked, you know, hard. You've gotten to the playoffs, and you know nobody's invincible. Now's the time you just you just got to do it. You got to turn it on. And I think the the bottom line is the
2: the team with the most uh, you know, opportunity here is going to win each game. The team that's gonna step up on defense because uh especially with Curtin, Curtin really has to set up set the tone early because if they don't, they're gonna get blown out. And I think that's not what we want to see in terms of, you know, a playoff matchup. But uh no pressure for the Saints, right? <laughs> it's just the Vipers. That's right, no yeah,
5: you know, you got nothing to lose. <laughs> nothing to lose, so And, you know, you've had a good season. Uh, Nothing's going to take away from that. Um, But, you know, it'll be interesting to see. um, Now, we don't often get stats from these uh, games, but, um, you know, turnovers can really play a big role once you get into the playoffs. So it'll be interesting to um, see how turnovers might, might play into it. It's
2: going to be a real, uh, big key, especially, I think, in the Rottenham game, because if, if Curtin starts, like you said, giving the ball away, it's going to be a really bad yeah. day. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's really not going to be a good day. Um, so looking forward to it. We're going to get some highlights, hopefully, from Gridiron West and the individual teams. They're going to probably, uh, from what I'm told, they're going to upload some of the photos and still photos. Uh, so hopefully we'll get those uh, up in, and once the uh, event and the weekend is over with. Uh, check it out right there at the hub. You'll be uh, in tune with it. And also, at, at, like I said, we'll be sharing some of the stuff from their uh, actual site. So uh, check out Granada West Playoffs right there. Uh, Mark, uh, LNFA Feminina. So we're going to go to it right now. Um, and then th- let's bring in the salty one, Mackenzie Brooks in the house as well, so we can just dive into it. Uh, Mac, uh, we're going into Spain, three weeks into the season here. Interesting matchup so far. It's been a really good whirlwind. So, Mark, let's start with the Levante group. Barbero rookies are two and zero right now. Uh, they're pretty much on a two-game winning streak. You got Valencia on fire. The Firebats two and one. Uh, they're obviously on a two-game winning streak. And, and then the rest of the the rest of the crowd. Uh, Barcelona trying to stay trying to stay close at two and one with a one-game winning streak. If you go to the center group. It's really uh the osa bears who have surprised everybody this year, two and o, uh two game winning streak, and then the demons two and one everybody else in the center group is literally struggling, which is the Val- 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 Valkyries and the truckers but let's start with the let's start with the uh Barbera rookies here uh former champs multi time champions uh just doing their thing,
1: yeah. yeah,
5: a big victory for them over the black demons uh, we learned a lot this week about. Um you know how close or far away uh teams are from each other in competitiveness now, if we just rewind a week, okay, it looked like the black demons were the team to be. They put up a lot of points in their two victories in the first couple of weeks. Um, they put up fifty two points and sixty seven points respectively, and that just jumped right off the page, right, but this week. In facing the Barbera rookies, well, the Black Demons, you know, fall by a score of 19 to 12. Um, so that's, you know, a big that, you know, that, that tells that tells us a lot, really, about, um, you know, how competitive the rookies are. They they held the Black Demons to 12 points after, you know, they put up over 50 points in two games. So you know they got a good defense. And they outscored the Black Demons. It wasn't it wasn't flashy. It was it was 19 points, but they got the job done. And it was a close game. So you know these two teams are um, sort definitely uh, two of the better teams in the league. Um, it was very uh, a very revealing uh, victory outcome in that game.
2: Mac, uh, if you were coming into this ball game. The rookies they edge the demons nineteen to twelve. But you coming into this ballgame to Mark's point, you know this demons team has was just scoring out loud. But at the same time, their competition, you know the uh, the truckers are zero and two, uh, the Valkyries are zero and three. So I guess you got to really uh, say this is their first big test of the season, and they they get edged. Yeah,
4: you know. It's funny because you know we were talking about it in the chat and you know, on our in our pod chat and everything. And I, to say that I'm surprised would be a lie because I'm not. Like I am, but I'm not. Um, when you look at the body of work and the types of teams that you know the the uh, defending champions are going to be playing, it's just like we were talking about last week. You know, you 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 have to those those teams that are struggling learn to build and like those brand new teams like like the rookies for perfect example have you know either learned off their mistakes from being on other teams type thing and you know, they they finally were able to put it together. So, you know, that in that in itself says something. Um, as you know, as a player here in the States, I love to see a, a good upset and that was an upset. Like you that's not something you would have expected, especially if you if you're following us every you know, following us at the hub, following us what we post, share, everything like that, Lexifa, all of that, you know, you're not surprised if you've been following up on you know the training and everything and practices and you know bulletins. So I'm I'm glad that that they got a that the rookies got a W with the defending champions. are gonna they're they should start the bowl and keep going for the rest of the season.
2: And you know uh, Matt uh, Mac, if you get into uh, the Firebats, Valencia has been really good so far, uh, two and one. Putting up a really good score, so they they started off the uh, first week w- against the rookies, obviously the a, a, a better competition. So they lose twenty to fourteen in week one. Then they go into this week coming up here, and they just put the fire uh, afterburners on, sixty-two to six. Uh, you know, of course, it's the Valkyries, a brand new team. But uh, bottom line is, somewhat they came out angry this week three <laughs> after losing week one.
4: Oh yeah, I I I tell you any any team in the states probably would have did the same damn thing. Like after getting a waxing, I'm gonna turn around and give a thing. You know, you you give you you give one and you get one. That that's kind of the philosophy it seems to be nowadays. You know, unless unless those other teams that you're playing are just that you know just that competitive and are just up there with the type of types of talent those championship type teams have.
2: On the scoring Mac, uh, if you go to Levante Group, the first group here. Barberas are in first place, 2-0. and They're putting up 130, almost an average, 130. Valencia, 2-1, and putting up 133. Are these the two teams that will clash in your eyes? I think these are the two teams that probably will clash towards the end of the season because this is going to be the one and two battle.
4: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it, it's going to be that exactly. Just like you said, they're going to clash um, and it's going to be a tight Tight game. There's not going to be very much room for error on either side. Um, I mean, in and, and worst 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 case scenario, it could go into a double, triple, you know, quadruple overtime type thing.
2: It's going to be great, Mark, to see finally a matchup here. The OSOs have improved a lot. Uh, they have you know put together a really good streak here. Uh, they're two and zero on top of the center group. Uh, they're only, the only team chasing them is obviously the, the, the Black Demons. Uh, they're putting up 120 on average, two-game two winning streak. They take care of business against Drox, 68-12, to 12, which there was no, no question there. They're the better team. And then if you go back to uh, week one, 25-12, uh, they take down Valkyrius. So uh, bottom line is I think uh, this Bears team is really uh, going, to, going to end up clashing with the Demons in that group.
5: Yeah, I I agree. It really it didn't take too long, but it it looks like we can, you know, make that dividing line there in the Centro group that um, uh, Rivas uh, and um, the Black Demons are the top two teams, and it'll be very interesting. I'm looking forward to that to that matchup. Uh, So it's kind of unclear to me as of yet uh, which of those teams uh, might win out on that but um i definitely agree that based on what we've seen um, that those are the two top teams teams in the group i think it's worth noting as well that um the uh, the osas had a, a game rescheduled um, from january 30th to um may 20th uh just it had become canceled because of covid but they do intend to play that game so um, which is good because they have a pretty short season. I think they'll want to make sure that all the teams have an equal amount of games played by the time they get to the end of this regular season.
2: Two weeks left in this uh, Spain season, as Mark has alluded, plus the one game in May that we're going to probably end up uh, making up. But the bottom line is week four coming up here right now on February 26th. That's the next week, week four. And we're basically almost two weeks away from here. But you get the rookies, taking on Buffalo, 2-0 and o rookies, taking on 2-1 and Barcelona-Buffalos. Buffalo's basically scoring almost 220 points. Uh, the rookies are putting up 130 points. Defensively, uh, they're pretty good on both ends. So uh, a clash here uh, for the top, one of the top positions here for the, the Levante group. Uh, but, you know, Barcelona's been the standout club. Uh, do we expect the Buffaloes to stay close or win this?
4: You know, I'm gonna kind of go out on a limb here and say it, it's gonna be a clash. But it's, it, I'm gonna take the Buffaloes. Um, like I'd say, in the later later quarters, um, just because they they seem to be able to turn it on towards the end of the game. Like I mean, and there's just they've been you know they're two and one. You know they they've been kind of steamrolling, kind of off just a little bit from what we're, you know, what we're normally used to seeing. Um, but I, I'm going to take the Buffaloes, and I, I was, I'm going to take them by 14, actually. All
2: right, so you're by 14. Mark, uh, we get the matchup that we just talked about, Osos-Demons. If the Demons fall here, okay, that would be 3-0 and for the Osos. Uh, Demons would go 2-2, and and that's not a good sign for the champs, but they're on a one-game losing streak. This would be two-game losing streak, not a good sign
5: yeah they definitely want to avoid that um i but i have to i have to go with the Osas, okay uh, the the defensive performance that that they showed against the black demons makes me feel uh, uh you know uh, uh, i'm sorry the, I, the, the defense i think is just i think it's there so if they can replicate what the rookies did to the Black Demons, watch that film and maybe kind of do some of the same stuff, I think they can hold down the Black Demons and uh, pull out that victory.
2: All right, Mac, uh, the battle of winless teams, the Truckers against the Valkyries, uh, both teams given up over 500 points <laughs> in the season. Uh, both of them are on three-game losing streaks. <laughs> Someone has to win. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Basically what it was. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, it, hurt, it, it hurts me because, like, you know, I'm the Mack truck and I play for the Valkyries. So the Chunkers and the Valkyries, I just – that kind of like tugs on my heartstrings.
0: But I
4: think right now I, – right, I know it's like, dang, like, okay. But I think in terms of field, like open field play, open field tackling – getting the ball across the, the the you know the line of scrimmage i'm i'm going to have to give the valkyries just a little bit of an edge um even though they're winless they seem to move the ball more fluently and they seem to move the ball faster and they seem to be more fluid they just can't the their defense isn't quite up to speed with what their offense is doing and the same thing goes the other way their offense isn't quite up to speed with what their defense is doing when their defense is going well um I'm gonna take the Valkyries and I'm gonna take the under over. I think the under over is gonna be thirty point total, and I'm gonna take the Valkyries by ten.
2: I don't know, Mark. What do you think?
5: You think Cuscatlata pulls out the win here? Um, well, I don't really know, but I think I'm gonna be cheering for the the Truckers just because they're called the Truckers. That's like, <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> well, that's a cool name. <laughs> I've never heard that before, right? the truck uh, yeah the truck um, is- I, I think I yeah I think I think it will I think it might be a pretty close game and uh it might just be decided in in the last few plays of the game um that's what I'm calling Mac if you're these two
2: teams you got nothing well you got everything to lose now <laughs> you just got to get a win <laughs> the first per- first team to win for the season uh no pressure just get a win <laughs> Don't look so horrible, I guess.
4: All right, no, no, no pressure at all, none whatsoever. Just one of y'all has to win, and one of y'all has to do it in style. What? I mean,
2: really? Somebody's going zero and um, four, and somebody's going one and two, or one and three, or or zero and three. <laughs> Just literally, it boils down to. Uh, so yeah, so if you're watching, and we'll see what the recap looks like, um, Mac. If you're the firebat, this is great. You get the drugs. drugs are not that great. And uh, through three weeks there they, they, they can go three and one and stay, stay competitive with Bar- uh, Barbera. Uh, if your prediction goes right, the Buffaloes might pull the upset. That puts Bar- uh, put Barbera at two and one, uh, Buffaloes at three and one, and then if the Firebats should take care of Bar- uh, Badalona, it would be three and one. So uh, really good, interesting matchup here. And for the, for the, uh, you know, for the actual standings, it's going to be interesting for this group.
4: If I'm the Firebat, and I, you know, I normally don't. I normally try my best not to underestimate any team, regardless of what their record is. However, if I'm the bat right now in this this current time continuum of 2022, <laughs> um, I am. I'm literally. I'm kind of using this as a tune-up game. I'm because we're rolling right now. You know, there's not there's not much gray area in terms of. Things that need to be worked on. You know, we had a little bit of a hiccup. We're three and one, two and one, but those two games, we, you know, we were excelling, we were progressing. Third, you know, game number three, same thing. We just couldn't finish it out. You know, I'm using I'm using this game as a tune-up game. Um, and it's not going to be a blowout. I'm not going to say it's going to be a blowout. It's going to be, I say, it's a field goal to a touchdown point oh, range, like that three to seven, three to seven to ten point range, um, in favor of the
2: FireBats. So you're giving the drunk girls some hope that's really good for you. Uh, I'm not. <laughs> I think they're going to get burned. <laughs> but anyway, all I'm saying is, if you're in Badalona, the salty one just gave you some hope. Step up your game. Show these fire bats that they can be cooled down, telling you you're going to get burned. But anyway, that's what it boils down for me. That's fine. And, uh, no, I, and, I'm, I'm, I'm really fine with that. <laughs> and, Mac, <laughs> if you get past week four, we go into uh, March – uh, the matchups are going to get really, really heated. You got Oso's taking on Buffaloes. You're going to have Firebats, uh, pretty much in the driver's seat up to the playoffs and starting. And then you're going to get rookies against Demon. So, uh, LNFemenina, it's going to get really heated in the next, uh, you know, this next week or two weeks from today, plus the March slate. So interesting, and we'll be covering it wall to wall. Check it out right there, FIFA underscore ES. And we'll be on top of it, everything that's happening in the sport. Um, If you guys haven't checked out our podcast, I don't know where you're at or living under a rock. But if you haven't checked out our podcast, go to uh, Apple, Spotify, and iHeart. You can listen to the salty one 24-7 on a reel. Even if you fall asleep, it's not a big deal. Just listen to it, and you're good to go. Uh, But she's on all the time. If you want her all the time, she's on all the time. Right, Mac? You're accessible 24-7.
4: I mean literally twenty four seven at the hub. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Radio, wherever you get your local podcast, you literally can listen to salty ones real after real after real after real. I mean it's really but you wouldn't know that if you're not going to the hub. You can also access me twenty four seven at Facebook dot com, Twitter dot com, Instagram dot com. Okay. Um, Apple Messenger. Facebook Messenger. Sometimes I you know, I'm even cool enough to be on like Reddit. And sometimes there sometime soon in like the next three hundred years or so, I might even be as cool as Lois Cook and be on a billboard.:
2: Yeah, you might be on a billboard You're cool enough to be on a billboard that's not That's not even a question. <laughs> it's just Look, when my face should billboard? be
4: on a billboard next to a giant salt shaker uh, after, Literally, am literally trying
2: Apple, Georgia, and you demolish your fight, maybe they'll put you on a billboard all over that Georgia state. So we'll look forward to the 26th when you know, she wraps up a win in the squared circle. So if you haven't checked it out, it's at the hub and don't miss it. it she's uh, ready to roll, right? Mac? you're ready to roll, right? Right now?
4: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm about a week and a half out. I got about five-ish pounds to cut. Um, but for, because I, I actually have had a lot of people asking me all, the promotion all that. The promotion itself is B2. B2 Fighting Series. Go like it. Mm-hmm. Share it on Facebook. Um if you don't have me on Facebook or are not following me, it's Mackenzie Brooks with two Zs and two Os in Brooks. Mackenzie Brooks, follow me, like me, share the post. Um, my, my opponent's name is Skylar Witten. Um, she's a formidable foe. It's going to be a good time. My coach, one of my coaches and I are flying down to Georgia next week for the fight. Um, you can buy a pay-per-view at b2fightingseries.com on the fight poster itself. If and when you do do that, make sure you put Mackenzie Brooks in the notes to seller. Um, if you come purchase tickets, do the same thing. Mackenzie Brooks in the notes to seller, like I said. But you're, you would only know that if you're following us as a you know as individual podcast personalities, and if you're going to the hub because it's it's been on the hub since I dropped it. But y'all wouldn't know that because y'all don't be really be on the hub because I'm not going to say it every show.
2: I'm telling you, you got to do what Mark says. Go to the hub, bub. That's where you need to be the hub bub go there now all right uh mac wish you well uh ho- hopefully you, you know that's going to turn out well too with no injuries and all that good stuff have a good time and a win that's what we're rooting for you getting it done so a lot of a uh, lot of two hours gone by already uh, it's just done man well it's, it's, it goes really fast um thanks to connie carlberg coming in here giving us her impressions of the super bowl giving us her lowdown on the super bowl thanks to coach terry lister in the first hour. To, Help us out with that, with the interview. Uh, Thanks to Mark Simone here, always breaking it down. The Oracle Women's Tackle Football here. And the salty one is always entertaining. So don't forget, February 26th, kick-ass day, you're going to get to see the Mac, the truck, the salty one, go into the octagon to take care of business. So uh, looking forward to it. We're going to hype it up next week as well and the week after and waiting for that big result of the big win. So, Mac, wish you luck. I know you can make this happen. you're going to be right there in Georgia and take it down.
4: I appreciate you guys. Oscar always supporting me anything I do saltiness, you know hitting people in the face for fun, tackling people for fun. my you know my general saltiness about the Green Bay Packers who I'm glad didn't go and pass the playoffs. <laughs> uh, you know I had to tie that in there because that's what I do um. Mark Simone, as always, you are one of the coolest people on this podcast. I appreciate your expertise on the game as well. Um, The backseat coach and I got some beef, though. That's for sure. It's okay, though. I'm going to get him back. I'm going to get him back. He don't know it yet, but I'm going to get him.
2: Awesome. All right, Mac, uh, that's it. We got run out of time. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in today. Don't forget to subscribe and listen to Mac 24-7, listen to Mark, myself, listen to Terry, Nate. And everybody else that's on the podcast. So check it out. Uh, Four thirteen, big surprise. We'll see what when we come up. So uh, don't forget to subscribe on Apple, iHeart, and Spotify. Have a great night, everybody. Enjoy it.
0: Play is the fastest growing daily fantasy sports site in America. You get fun, easy to play contests with cash prizes featuring your favorite players. Monkey Knife daily fantasy sports for the rest of us. Sign up now and get an instant match on your first deposit up to $50.